Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Detroit Tigers 4, the Cleveland Guardians 1. Wait, wait a 4 again? Are you out of your mind? 4 again? I, I said it as a joke yesterday. 4 runs win every single game in this series. That's got to be some kind of crazy, crazy Elias Sports Bureau record. I don't know. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And I didn't get to watch a ton of this one. I was doing projects around the house. You know, you got to make these Sundays count. And uh, I had the game on. Uh, I would have stopped and watched the TV if anything was going on worthwhile. But, I mean, did the Guardians even, even have a great rally chance in this one? I don't even remember a moment where it was like, ooh, you got to lock into the TV. There's there's something going on in the game. Uh, maybe the fourth inning. Maybe the, they get two on, but then Gonzalez hits into a, into a double play. So uh, maybe the fourth inning, uh, which is where they get their lone run. So uh, Ramon Laureano with that single, the, the first true hit off of... Uh, off of Rodriguez uh, in the fourth inning that drives in Quan. Other than that, I mean, there's literally not a moment in this game worth locking into the TV two. In the fifth inning, it's a two-out single, and Rokio strikes out. In the uh, seventh inning, two-out single, Arias hits into a force out. That's it. Those are your hits on the day. I mean, this offense literally gave you nothing to care about. And uh, Jonathan, Eduardo Rodriguez uh, continues, I think I was about to say Jonathan Rodriguez, which I believe is our young outfielder in AAA who leads the minors and leads our minor league system in home runs. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, another stellar outing against us. I believe that is his third win against us on the season. Uh, I was looking back at his numbers from April 18th and from May 10th. Uh, and very similar, very similar. And, uh, one of our emailers, uh, I got emailer emails from Marlon and Jeff with a G. Um, they both, they talk about, uh, the lack of adjustments here. I think it was Jeff with a G. Oh, it is Marlon. Uh, he said, hi, Davey. Al Plusky mentioned in the post game show that Eduardo Rodriguez has started against Cleveland three times this year but they've only scored one run against him. This is proof of the lack of adjustment at the plate, an indictment against Vileka. Uh, Marlon does not like Vileka. Um, so I went back and I looked, and I looked at Eduardo Rodriguez's numbers from those other starts. And uh, on April 14th, uh, he goes eight innings, eight innings of shutout baseball, four hits, 10 strikeouts on 99 pitches. He's only hard hit three times. He battled Peyton Battenfield and Xavier Curry in that game. That was the one nothing Tigers win uh, on a doubleheader day back in April. And uh, then on May 10th, uh, he goes seven innings against us, also gives up four hits, no runs, two walks, eight strikeouts on 99 pitches. He's hard hit five times. So, yes, we finally do get a run off him. He only lasts six and two-thirds in this one, also gives up four hits. Hits. Wait, wait, seriously? Four hits in all three games against us? That is weird as well. 
Um, four hits, one run this time. One walk, six strikeouts on 105 pitches. We did get some hard hits off him. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times we had hard hit balls off him. But it shows you that that stat can be a lie sometimes, right? Sometimes we lean on that in the new stat cast era. Ooh, look at how many hard hit balls a guy has. It shows that, oh, they must be locked in. Yes, but the point of the game is still to get base hits. And you still only ended up with four hits against Eduardo Rodriguez, no matter how hard you barreled up the ball. And one of those hits was dropped by the right fielder because the sun was glaring off his sunglasses. We have to imagine that that's what happened, right? With Kerry Carpenter in right field and Quan's double at the wall. Like, if the sun's, you could literally see the sun glaring off his sunglasses. And so if the sun's not directly in his eyes, does, does he catch that? And does Quan not have his double? And do we not score a run off him again? So the only run scored off Eduardo Rodriguez all season is because the sun is in his eyes. So uh, going over to his player breakdown page, things are very similar. Very similar, which is kind of nuts. He had uh, a 30% whiff rate on this day and a 30% CSW total on the day. And we put 17 baseballs in play. If you go back to... uh, the uh, April 18th game, he had a uh, 25% whiff rate, so a lower whiff rate, but a 29% CSW total, and we put 17 baseballs in play. Uh, now, the average exit velocity on that one was 76.2. We averaged 76.2 exit velocity off him on the day. In this one, we averaged a little higher. It was 87.3. Going to that game on May 10th, uh, where they beat us uh, 5 nothing. Uh, going to the player breakdown page on that one, he has a 28% whiff rate, a 33% CSW total, and we put 17 baseballs in play with an average exit velocity of 85.1. So he has been remarkably consistent against us all season long. So, yeah, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is a problem for us this year. And, the, you know, the Tigers in general have been a problem for us this year. I know we still have some games left to face the Tigers, but we are 3-7 and seven on the year against the Detroit Tigers. I mean, there were years the Tigers couldn't get a win off us, and we are 3-7 and seven against the Tigers. And sure, there are some young players that are developing for the players, like Torkelson, uh, who has a home run in this one, like Kerry uh, Carpenter. Uh, there are some guys developing. They're still not a great team. I mean, we are the defending American League Central champions. We we should be able to handle the Tigers. But hey, their rookie hitters have developed better than our rookie hitters have. Remember, we're also five and eight against the Chicago White Sox. We're Minnesota. It's still pretty even. Four and three against Minnesota. In Kansas City, yeah, we beat up on Kansas City. At least we have that. Seven and three against the Kansas City Royals. But it's that's a problem how bad we are against the Detroit Tigers. So, Eduardo Rodriguez kicks our butt once again. The other strange thing on the day is once again the uh, Tigers get it done with a first inning home run. Remember game 1 of the series it's Akil Badu with that solo home run. We win game 2, so with no home runs for them in that game. 
in game three, I believe, wasn't it uh, Kerry Carpenter with a big home run in that first inning, a three-run home run in that first inning? And now second batter of the game, Spencer Torkelson goes yard and launches one uh, off of uh, Logan Allen. And uh, the righty off the lefty, he gets a uh, sweeper that slides in on the outside edge for a called strike. And then throws him a fastball in the exact same location. It's out over the plate, somewhere where Torkelson can lift the ball. And he does. 99.8 mile power exit velocity, 35 degree launch angle, 365 out to right field for a two-run home run. So once again, you're starting in a hole against these guys. And what I can say about all the rookies, because all three rookie pitchers do this. Xavier Curry is the only one that can survive the first inning. All three rookies start in a hole against Detroit. All three rookies pitch well after that, but still, come on, what is going on that all three rookies start in a hole in the first inning? So, I mean, that two-run home run would hold up for a long time. And so my my positive on the day is that Logan Allen settles in after that two-run home run and is very effective. Only gives up three hits after that for the next uh, five, well, six innings pitch because he hadn't made it out yet. So for the next six innings pitch, he only gives up three hits, doesn't give up another run. His final line of the day is six innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts. The home run given up on 99 pitches. He's only hard hit three times. Remember, Eduardo Rodriguez was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Logan Allen, three, three hard hit balls. And he ends up with the loss on this one. So uh, going to Logan Allen's breakdown page. Uh, the sweeper was very effective for him. A 55% whiff rate on the sweeper. He had a 35% whiff rate total. Uh, he did have 12 call strikes on the fastball, so he was locating that fastball. It's a 31% CSW total on the day for Logan Allen. So average exit velocity, 84.6. So normally we would say that's really, really good stuff. And, and it was. After the home run, after the first inning, it was really, really good stuff. The Tigers don't have much to get excited about until uh, the seventh inning when we go to De Los Santos in the bullpen, and he has himself, well, he does have three strikeouts, but he has himself another bad game. So, uh, you know, gives up two hits, two runs uh, in that uh, seventh inning. Uh, but he, stri- he strikes out the side once all that's done. A solo home run to Kerry Carpenter. Uh, Javi Baez is hit by the pitch. Akil Badu is single, would drive him in. Uh, but then he strikes out Zach Short, Veerling, and Torkelson. So uh, something locked in for De Los Santos there. Uh, once uh, once he got through uh, the trouble he was in, um, I guess the slider was pretty effective for him. He had a 60% whiff rate. Uh, so, you know, it's always the numbers are always a little inflated when you look at uh, relief pitchers there. Uh, let's see. Let's see what he got those three strikeouts on. Uh, there's three strikeouts for De Los Santos. Two of them come on sliders. One comes on a fastball up and away. That's a called strike to Zach, uh, to Zach Short. But then he gets uh, Torkelson and Veerling to chase sliders down at their knees. So uh, while we're looking at it, Logan Allen's three strikeouts, he actually, three of them come via the fastball. Uh, he gets Miguel Cabrera locked up on a called strike. Uh, gets Kerry Carpenter swinging through a fastball. Gets Jake Rogers uh, swinging at a fastball on the uh, paints it on the outside edge there, and then Riley Green chasing sweepers down twice. 
Twice he got Riley Green to strike out chasing sweepers. And, and Riley Green will do that. Uh, flipping over to the batters, because, okay, Logan Allen is kind of my positive. Uh, that's that's about it. Uh, I do have some more negatives here, because looking at just the swing strikes by hitters, uh, looking at the Guardians hitters, I'm surprised Quan actually goes out of the strike zone three times to chase pitches. I don't, didn't expect that. Jose Ramirez chased a curveball down uh, at the dirt, basically, below his knees. Oscar Gonzalez is the concerning one. After, after a rough game on Saturday, now Oscar Gonzalez is hitting third behind Jose Ramirez. Uh, Francona thinks moving him up in the lineup is going to help him, and it doesn't. He chases again. He chases two changeups way off the plate. Uh, one to strike out uh, in the first inning. A changeup way off the plate. And then changes one in the dirt to start an at-bat uh, in the fourth inning. And just the plate discipline from Oscar Gonzalez is a big problem. Nobody else in the Guardians lineup really chased that bat. Jimenez chased some sliders that were down and off the plate, but not by that much. Rokio did chase a slider uh, down in the dirt in the third inning to strike out. But uh, Oscar Gonzalez probably had the worst two swings of anyone in the Guardians lineup. And that continues to be a problem. While I'm looking at it, Riley Green chased four sweepers off the plate. He was chasing and chasing all day was Riley Green. Uh, so I'm sure the Detroit Tigers fans are worried about his plate discipline. Um, but that was definitely the guy that Logan Allen uh, got to chase that sweeper the most on the day. Um, so yeah, so chasing pitches off the plate uh for those two, for Riley Green and Oscar Gonzalez, uh, still a problem. All right. Uh, you know, that's kind of all my thoughts on this one. The Guardians offense doesn't give us anything, anything to care about in this game, anything to get excited about in this game. It's just another ice cold day from this lineup. And he's right. I, I don't know if Valakin needs to go, uh, but something needs to change offensively for these Cleveland Guardians. It's the... Being a pesky contact team is not working if you're not if you're not getting hits. If you're not putting together rallies. It's just not working. And it was not fun baseball yesterday. Um, so some of the other things. Jeff with a G said, uh, uh, yikes, Jeff from Columbus. Yikes, these Detroit games all season have just been brutal. Our hitters just fall apart in these games. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Tigers jumped out to an early lead with a first inning home run in all the games of the series and then hold on the rest of the way three out of four games. Yes, they do. Would love for Jose to get hot again, but he's hit a rough patch of late. He hit the ball hard times right at people. Can't remember his last home run either. I want to weigh in on the shortstop position for next year. I like both Rokio and Arias, and I think there's a place for both on the roster. I could see Rokio getting the majority of starts at shortstop with Arias getting a few starts here and there, and then having Arias play some third base, first base, and right fields, similar to how they deployed him this year at times. Both have great potential as defensive playmakers, and believe me, both have shown promise as hitters. And I believe both have shown promise as hitters. I like that Rokio is a switch hitter and generally makes good contact, and Arias has been steadily improving his at-bats hitting the ball very hard, and it appears cutting down on the strikeouts. Maybe. Long story short, I would hate to give up either players. Both offer value to the team. While I understand the Guardians probably want to have a primary shortstop to pencil in the lineup nearly every day, I would hope Tito and front office can be creative and get both of these fine young talents playing time. Lastly, I think it's time we package a few of our middle infielders as part of the deal for a power bat or another starting pitcher. Good Lord, we have enough of them in our system. 
I'm glad the Dodgers are in town next because I can't take another Detroit game. Hopefully we can score more than three or four runs in a few of these games. I'm going to the Thursday 1 p.m. game, and I hope I get to see Bybee or Williams. Uh, you are going to get to see Gavin Williams. Uh, they did announce the matchup, so you will see Gavin Williams. Thanks for the podcast and all your efforts to keep us informed. Jeff with a G in Columbus. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Uh, he did follow up uh, right after he sent the email about the middle infielders. He noticed that Jose Tania had a huge day at the plate, uh, collecting four hits with two home runs, uh, parasolo home runs against Syracuse. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so Tanya did have a good day for Columbus. Um, yeah, he's not wrong. The question continues. I can't believe we're still talking about this, but the depth of middle infielders in the guardian system, you've now got Rocchio and Arias up here and Freeman who all could be the shortstop of the future and the front office. Uh, they're not going to make a decision this year. This, this decision is going to come in spring training next year. And he's right. He's right. Uh, Rokio and Arias are two sides of the coin. Uh, one has way more power. One has more contact ability. They both play fantastic defense. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's it's almost weird that you've got Jose Ramirez, uh, you know, a legend at third base, which actually blocks some of these young guys, right? It's not the first time in baseball history where guys have been blocked by a legend. Uh, it's a good problem to have, but uh, it's weird that this team has struggled so much offensively, and, and and yet there's not that many holes for rookies to come up and try to take. I mean, first base is kind of set with Naylor. Second base is set with Andres Jimenez. I know some of you are huge fans of Andres Jimenez, but it's set there. So it's shortstop. They all have to battle for shortstop. And in the case of Gabriel Arias, being able to play multiple positions is going to be a huge benefit for him on this team. Uh, Marlon had his reaction to the uh, Tigers' loss. For the first time since 2015, Detroit has won the season series against Cleveland. The Guardians regressed very badly against the Tigers this season. Detroit gave them problems a year ago, but they managed to take the season series. Cleveland went 10-9 and versus Detroit last year. But they are only three and seven with three games remaining in Detroit. I don't see how Valleca isn't canned after the season. The players stroll to the plate without a plan and don't make any adjustments at any point in the game. It's unacceptable and very disappointing how quickly Detroit has surpassed the Guardians this year. For the past couple of seasons, Detroit's young arms in the rotation have been decimated by injuries, but will be dangerous once they're healthy. Detroit will have Miggy's contract off the books and could become serious players in free agency in the offseason. Jake Rogers isn't a good hitter by any means, but he has 15 home runs. I'm not sure if Cleveland's catchers combined have hit that many in the past couple of years. This game has a very similar to the 1-0 loss to the Blue Jays in which Allen makes one mistake, but takes the loss because of an anemic offense. I feel sorry for the rookie pitchers who continue to pitch their hearts out. They definitely deserve better. Next up is a three-game series versus the Dodgers with Morella at the lowest point. This could get very ugly. I'll be happy if the Guardians can keep one of the three games close. Yeah, don't forget the return of Ahmed Rosario as well. Um, thank you, Marlon. Thank you, Jeff, for the emails. Uh, I will say, uh, as far as Miguel Cabrera goes, I know they had a nice moment for the game where he's joking around with Jose Ramirez and some of the other young guys, taking a photo. They give him the guitar gift um, to send him off his final game in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, Miguel Cabrera in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, it got to a point where we were like intentionally walking him every time up. Like 
Miguel Cabrera tortured Cleveland when he came to the American League Central. There's no doubt about it. He hammered us. His career splits against the Cleveland Guardians, 50 home runs. 50 home runs against the Cleveland Guardians. The most of any team he's ever faced. A 307 career batting average against us, an 897 career OPS against us. He hammered Cleveland. Now, at Progressive Field, let's check those numbers. He had 26 home runs in Progressive Field, hit 297 with an 872 OPS against us in Progressive Field. So, pretty similar to uh, the career numbers. I guess he hit us a little better in Detroit than he hit us in Cleveland. But, yeah, he is someone that has tortured us for a long time. And, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes they can make a big signing in the American League Central, like Detroit signing Javi Baez and spending a lot of money. And, you know, it's not going to be that bad. Uh, I wasn't too worried about Javi Baez. Miguel Cabrera signing with Detroit was a problem for a long, long time. And, uh, I mean, luckily, yeah, that their team did kind of fall apart around him. And his contract did become a problem for them. And uh, we were able to take advantage of that for a few years. But uh, Marlon's right. That contract's coming off the books. And uh, it's uh, it, who knows what they're going to do with it. Uh, I'm not too worried about how they're going to spend it. Because Detroit hasn't had much luck lately signing free agents. They've had better luck drafting and bringing up young guys. So maybe they just use it all to extend some of their young guys like Torkelson. Uh, and Riley Green. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they use it. Uh, but they've never been a team that's been afraid to spend money. So shout out to the legend, Miguel Cabrera, for his final game in Cleveland. All right, I'm wrapping this thing up early. MVP on the day. I, even though he takes the loss on the day, Logan Allen. Logan Allen was out there. He was trying. He was dealing. After he won fastball up and out over the plate to Torkelson is his only mistake on the day. But uh, obviously, a leadoff walk hurts you, too. But he he was trying. Uh, So shout out to Logan Allen, MVP on the day, even though he takes the loss on this one. Because there's there's nobody offensively that I'm giving it to. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final again, it's four runs. That's all you need to know. It's Detroit versus Cleveland. This weekend in Progressive Field, it's four runs win the game to one run for Cleveland. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.